Okay. And we're live. Uh, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Husband and Wife Talk Podcast. I'm Corey, and today is a little bit different of an episode. I am solo. Alex is at grad school in California. Um, today I have a very good friend of mine. She is a burlesque dancer. Uh, I would say a choreographer, uh, writer, actor, producer, and director, and overall badass Anna Bridgeforth is in the building. That's me. What I wouldn't. Is going I, on? I don't think I'd call myself a choreographer. I appreciate it though. I don't think I would af- assign myself that title. Really? Of all the things, I choreograph my own burlesque routines, but that doesn't get to qualify me as a choreographer. <laughs> you don't think so? I think. No. I feel like you get a. I feel like you'd get a hall pass on that one. No, I well, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna own it. I won't own it. You can call me that cool. if you want to. I'm not offended. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. I, I, I think it's offensive to actual real choreographers, sure, sure, sure. probably. Yeah. They like went to school and studied dance and shit. I get that. I get that. Which is a which is funny because Alex is going to school for dance. So I mean, yeah, I wish she was here to chime in on that. I, I'm sure she would call you a choreographer if she was here. Um, well, welcome to the podcast. Happy um, to be here. We've been friends now for what almost almost three years. Sure, almost that sounds th- about right. Yeah. We met when houseman opened yeah okay yeah. so that was more than three years yeah ago, right? yeah it's been a minute do you still work there uh i bar t- I, I moonlight oh, i'm yeah. there like once or twice a week sometimes sometimes i'm not there for months at a time yes <laughs> um it's been kind of crazy um but ken is leaving so that's been a lot we have a lot of personal stuff that we can get into <laughs> i'm not sure if the, your listening audience needs to hear about all the people we need to talk about because <laughs> yeah. it's been a while we'll save that okay. yeah we'll save that um so the way that we like to start the podcast is we do a little bit of wednesday wisdom mm-hmm. um i'll go first and then uh you can follow my wednesday wisdom is uh learn to rally um specifically meaning Sometimes when you're tired and you don't want to go do something that like has the potential to be fun, you kind of got to suck it up and just get an espresso and like go for it. Um, last night I did Broadway Bears um, Equity Fights AIDS, and it was um, probably like one of the best shows I've ever seen. It was at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Always a good show. Holy shit. I, my mind was blown. There was like people flying on like aerial silks and yeah, it's like all the circus people and the dance people and the broadway people all come together to put this crazy it show was on. unbelievable and i told nathan uh you know nate uh and i was like dude i don't know man like i'm really tired i don't think i want to go to the show he's like you need to fucking come to the show you're not gonna regret it it's gonna be awesome and i uh i i went and i had such a great night but i i got home this morning at like five o'clock in the morning oh yeah, shit so. <laughs> well i know the show didn't end at five so you no, made that choice <laughs> yeah no well i we were shooting the after party so i oh, took photos at the after party oh, okay. and there was the, all kinds of shenanigans going on mm-hmm. like at one point this like really drunk woman came up and was like are you single i was like no my brother is <laughs> Are you Jake Gyllenhaal? Are you hard times Jake Gyllenhaal? <laughs> I yeah, know you. I know you from something. So I was like, no, but my brother is. And then I was like, put your info in my phone. Oh my God. Can I read this to you? Pimping out your brother. I always pimp out my brother. I absolutely always pimp out my brother. Let me show you. I gotta, I gotta, I'll share this for, for people that are, uh, for the two people that are listening. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, uh, I'll, I'll change her name. Mm, so that's nice Sarah, Sarah Dunnigan gives me the cell phone number, her email address, with the description of over 40, doesn't look it, wants to meet eligible men who aren't insane. Aww. <laughs> I was like, 
She's honest. I might, yeah. I mean, uh, that could be like a, doesn't look it. It could be like your Tinder profile if I you mean, wanted it to be. Probably is exactly what it her was, Tinder profile is. It's really funny. My guess. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was my Wednesday wisdom. I had a great time. So for me, it was uh, learn how to rally. Good to rally. I mean, I've, I was better at it when I was younger, but like the older I get, I'm like, oof. I don't know. It's like past mm. ten thirty. I like want to be home. Yeah, but sometimes we have to balance self-care and sleeping with life experience yeah well you work late a lot i do what's your uh, wednesday wisdom for us my wednesday wisdom is trust your instincts Ooh, please expound on that always (laughs) a good idea i think it's wisdom every day of the week the older i get if we're talking about that the more i the better i am at doing it i feel like if i'd known how to trust my instincts better when i was 22 it wouldn't have taken me as long to get around to some things sure but i uh i'm not interested in talking very much about my personal life but <laughs> that's okay I, d- <laughs> I did go on a date today which is very outside of the norm for me just by some guy that i met on like okay cupid again first time i've ever done that <laughs> but he was in my neighborhood and he was cute and whatever and we only had like a two-hour window. Day date, right? We like met at a little Love lunch that. place, like got a little sandwich, sat on a bench. But then like we went to his apartment, which is dumb. And, <laughs> you know, whatever. He's like, he was sort of dumb and a little bit annoying, but he was cute and he was a musician and he's like sort of spiritual. And I go back to his place with him and he like, his place is a mess and he definitely sells weed because nobody needs that much weed ever. <laughs> <laughs> and we went down to his basement to like see his studio and he like played a song for me he, like oh, write no, songs he did on not. the he piano yeah oh was that awkward you wanna... i mean i just kept sitting there being like okay i know that i don't like this guy like but the thing that the thing that bothers me is that i i always feel the need to sort of apologize for and explain myself i can't just be like okay well nice to meet you bye and like walk out the door i was like i had to like babble on about how what i'm you know what instead of just being like Nice to meet you. Anyway, trust your instincts. I knew that I didn't want anything to happen with this dude. It was <laughs> right, like, I didn't right. even want to waste like a, a Another an exploratory <laughs> like kiss on the cheek really with him. That's awesome. Uh, so yeah, you know. I mean. It, I, it, I left. I, I like you ran think... actually. Like my, I was like, I, I like panicked a little bit. Nothing. He didn't do anything. It was right, fine. Right. But it was just like, oh, we're gonna watch the train together. And I was just like, you know, what? I gotta walk my dog. Like I gotta go. I, I mean, and it wasn't until like a block and a half later that my heart calmed down. Whoa. Is it because was your heart beating because you thought like you were the problem, or no, that you were like, like oh, having a hard time? We've gotten to the place where he like maybe wants to kiss me and I'm alone in his basement in his house. And I just like smoked a bunch of weed. So I'm sort of stone. So I like, sure. My, I'm, like un- suddenly I was just like, yeah, I'm not into it. Sometimes if I get super high, I can't be around anyone. If it, like, if I'm with like friends, I'll be like, I have to go right now. I have to be alone. <laughs> I can't be this high. Yeah. I, I just, I ran. So trust your instinct. Good for you. I... This will, this will come tie back in later into the conversation. Okay. I'll bring it up. Not okay. the date with the guy, but trusting your instinct. I love that. Um, well, I know, uh, a little bit about you. I wouldn't say everything about you. You know um, a lot about me. I do know a lot about you. Um, for people that don't know, uh, I mean, we, I said earlier, you do burlesque, you do a lot of different things. Can you kind of talk about like where you're from mm-hmm. and maybe how you got into acting? Uh, cause I know you're an actress. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about that. Kind of how did that all start? Yeah. Well, 
abridged, I guess. Um, I've been acting since I was a little kid. I grew up in a church with a really active community theater. My dad is a television director and producer, and he liked to direct the plays. Hi, Jude. At the church. <laughs> and that's all, I, that's all I desperately wanted to do. It. I did my first play when I was like seven years old. Um, I won't tell you. I will. I tell you because it's a horrible story. But the we first, love horrible stories. The first play I ever did was The King and I, and it was at a suburban church in in Virginia, right outside of DC. And if you don't know that play, it takes it out takes place in like an island in the South Pacific, and it's a church full of white people. And we like definitely painted our skin brown and dyed our hair black. You did blackface? No, I did brown face. You know what I mean. <laughs> Did you know at the time? No, of course not. Of <laughs> course not. We were all old. doing it. I'm eight years old. Like, all the adults are doing it, too. I'm like, oh, we're doing... It's theater. We have to put on this makeup to right. make us look like we're the children of Siam. Right. Anyway, I started acting as a kid, did a lot of musical theater all through high school, president of my high school drama club, all that stuff. Um, briefly went to a big university, hated it, left, moved to New York when I was 19, which was in... Uh, 2004, you can do that math if you're really interested, <laughs> uh, to go to um, AMDA, which is the American Musical and Dramatic Academy on the Upper West Side. Very and cool. I just thought it was bullshit, right? Like immediately, it was like this very expensive certificate program, and I was very ahead of myself. I always have been, and so at 19, I dropped out of AMDA, and I've just been hustling ever since. So that means... I've done a lot of off-Broadway off theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started my acting career doing B, indie B horror films. Okay. Uh, like, t- the first film, the first horror movie I was ever in was a zombie movie called The Wicked, starring myself and Ron Jeremy, among other <laughs> unknown actors. Ron I've done Jeremy. two movies, two <laughs> horror movies with Ron Jeremy, not porns. Uh, I used to be so embarrassed with these movies, but you, they're, you're, they're out there. You That's can find awesome. them on fucking There's probably some Netflix like gigantic super fan out there that like obsesses over it. I used to get fan mail from Germany because the Bigfoot movie I did got, um, only got international release, not, okay. so it came out, it was like big in Germany and Japan. Wow. But that was a long time ago. Dude. Is, is Ron Jeremy fun to work with? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not when his dick is out? He, well, yeah, so he's like your delightful sort of pervy uncle. I'm pretty sure he's narcoleptic. He would fall asleep like all the time. Oh, my God. He had a strict I'll show you if you show me policy, which I did not participate in, mm-hmm. but I know some other people that did. Yeah, I mean, at I least mean, he was respectful. Kind of. Yeah, it goes behind closed doors. <laughs> is that respectful? I don't know. I yeah, don't you know. can see my huge dick if you show me your tits. Like, oh. that's literally... <laughs> Well, do you think that's because people ask to see his dick? All the time. Of course they do. And there are probably still hot young chicks out there that are perfectly happy to show Ron Jeremy their tits in exchange for catching oh a glimpse God. of his Oh, my God. I've dick. never... I, I know that you worked with him, but like hearing that, I'll, I've never heard that. Anyways, <laughs> continue. Sorry. So, yeah, a lot of theater um, in New York. Made some really cool connections doing that. I still work with... I do a one-woman play right now that I met, do with a director who I met way back, you know, when I was young in New York. And I started doing burlesque about 10 years ago. 10 years in the New York City burlesque scene. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's 2018. Yeah, I started in 2008. that's amazing. 2008, maybe 2009. How did you... Nine, 10 years. How did you get into burlesque? What was the, like... So I saw an audition notice for a comedy about burlesque. And I'd always been curious about burlesque. Um, 
but for the audition you had to do an act and when I read that I was like oh my god that's horrifying I could I'm way too scared I could never do that and my knee-jerk reaction was like oh my god that's exactly why you should do it because you're scared of it wow so I you know found some weird like cover album of Christina Aguilera's music that did it like it was way before postmodern jukebox but it was like an old-timey like cover of what a girl wants and i just took like some of the you know more like cabaret style clothes that i had and i made a striptease and i and i did it and i got the part and it was a terrible play it was a broadway (laughs) comedy club in the basement nobody ever got paid it didn't last very long but i made some friends in that show who did worked in the new york burlesque scene and they were like specifically my friend katmandu her real name is molly sarimit she's a brilliant theater teacher now god has like 27 masters in theater she's so smart but she was like come out with me and see some shows so i went to a show called katie nights that was at a bar called bar on a neither of which exist anymore oh okay but it was produced by a woman named femme appeal she produced that show for eight years and she was like my fairy godmother and i introduced myself and just asked if i could do the show and she said yes, which is crazy. That's not how it works anymore. Sure, yeah. And she booked me, and I made up a name. <laughs> I called myself Boobess, uh, the Baroness. I initially couldn't decide whether I wanted to be Baroness, Boobess, or Boobess, the Baroness. I think what you chose is the right call. Eventually, I dropped the Baroness right, because right. it's such a mouthful. I tell people that technically I'm still a Baroness. I just don't like to brag about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just liked the alliteration of it, and I literally just named myself after my boobs because I had an ex. <laughs> That whenever I was topless, he would be like, boob. When he, he would like poke them like that. <laughs> so that became their nicknames. Okay. Boobess. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then the longer I did burlesque, the more I got into emceeing. And now I emcee way more than I dance. Because um, you're really funny. I'm really funny. You're really funny. I'm really good at it. You're also a really good actor, but we'll get into that later. Uh, yeah. I And I love it. And, and I'm getting more and more work at like... Like all, all over the country, that's MCing, amazing, which is really cool. And you then, were on tour recently doing that, right? Uh, or were you emceeing or were you performing? I wasn't on tour. I was in Vegas. So like the sort of the culmination of my burlesque career so far just happened because I was in Vegas for the Burlesque Hall of Fame weekend, which is what a huge international burlesque festival. It happens every year, and it was started many years ago by what we refer to now as the legends of burlesque and these are the women who were doing burlesque in like the 50s 60s 70s and they started having an annual reunion and it turned into this huge international burlesque festival where the legends come and we celebrate them and they perform and it's incredible but i competed with my du- a duet that i do with my I've friend i've seen this duet it's amazing it's a hitchhiker pantomime to iggy pops the passenger and it's very minimalist it's just two chairs on stage and she's driving the car and picks up a hitchhiker and I get in and we like fuck in the car and <laughs> do all these crazy shit and rip each other's clothes off and but somebody's always got their eyes on the road and their hands on the wheel and their foot on the gas. That's what makes that that's so awesome. And then I slam on the brakes and kick her out of the car and drive the car like steal the you know, steal the car. <laughs> so we did that. We competed for best small group and we didn't win the category but we won most innovative which in my opinion is the coolest award to win dude there. so cool yeah it's such a great it's so great if you, if anyone has a chance to go see uh anna as boobess doing that it's it's a treat it's <laughs> it's really really creative uh any did like what inspired that what, or did it just kind of like that was just like a perfect storm of collaborating cool. um she had liked that song and just had this idea she was like what if we did like a 
a hitchhiker number. I'm like, oh my God, like a pantomime act. And then we just developed it together. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so rad, dude. Um, so for, for the last, um, or for the time that you've been doing burlesque, what would you say is like your favorite part of it? Like, what is it that like... As a whole, not my own personal experience? Um, we could do both. I mean, we can explore uh, what's maybe what is uh, your personal favorite part. And then as a whole, what do you think is like... I mean, it's the, it's the people who do it. Sure. I'm absolutely fascinated by them because they come from all these different walks of life and different places, but they're all drawn to this art form. And it's like, why? We get to be autonomous artists. We get to create, we get to choreograph and direct <laughs> sure, and yeah. costume our own act. We're all independent contractors. We can work for whoever we want to work for. And there's this really subversive quality to this art form because it's sexualized, but it's the ownership is on the performer. Sure. The the power in the room is on the performer. And there's this like symbiotic relationship between the artist and the audience, between the performer and the audience, which is only can happen in live entertainment. Right. I'm like I'm addicted to film and television as a creator, but there's an irreplaceable quality to live performance. Yeah. And there's something about just doing like a 5-minute act that can have a huge emotional re- like response from the audience as opposed to doing like a two-hour play where you're doing the same play every night for months and months. Or like a 20-minute television episode. Like, this is just not the same thing. Yeah, but I mean, like, just in live performance. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. having this small, intense little, like, sure. live performance moment. as Because as an actor, if you're doing a play and you're doing that play for a long run, it can be a challenge to keep yourself excited and interested in in the material and the character night right. after night how do you keep it fresh oh i understand Which i understand is yeah absolutely possible it's just a different type of challenge right okay and what about um just in general like what do you think is your favorite part um i sort of th- it's sort of like both it's like it's the people and it's because it's this powerful feminist subversive Sure. Art form that I think can change people's, not only like people's perceptions about their bodies and their own relationships with their bodies. And um, I think it can be really powerful for women, particularly women with low self-esteem, to watch these women on stage that look so Mm self-possessed. Or confident. Yeah. Because they are. They're super confident. Yeah. I, I I mean, I'll be honest with you, my like forte into burlesque was through you. Yeah. Like I had known a little bit about it. I mean What's it like for you as an audience member? Why is it compelling? Um I I think I like consuming content in all forms. And, and it's I, just a new way It to was consume. super new yeah. and it was very like I one of the reasons I decided to be a part of this podcast was because I wanted to get outside of my comfort zone because I, I care a lot about what other people think about me, you know? <laughs> it's like, it's like, to, I think to my detriment. Sure, most a, people a care about that to their detriment. For sure. So um, watching other people be so unabashedly like themselves and like not give a fuck about what anyone thinks is super interesting to me. I think that those people are the most interesting people. Um, like Tigger, for example, mm-hmm. um, who uh, you introduced me to. Like the fact that like, he would just get naked and be so comfortable. I was like, that is so cringeworthy for me. Like, you know, not that I'm uncomfortable being naked, but like in front of a bunch of people, like it was 
just like whoa so i it de- uh, honestly i think it desexualizes nudity to a hundred percent i would agree because i was like oh this is just a dude we're just doing this thing it's totally also fine. like there is literally nothing more natural than the naked body <laughs> that's how we yeah i agree <laughs> i agree with you like I, everybody comes into the earth by squeezing through a vagina <laughs> you know we talk about vaginas and then a everybody's lot. so shy about vaginas we talk about vaginas a lot on this you podcast. And I, oh, just in general. On this podcast. Okay. I was so like, like, you and I know. No, no, not, not you and I. <laughs> no, Alex talks about her diva cup a lot. She's oh, like I a could talk huge... about my flex, which is not a diva cup. It's a soft cup. It goes around your cervix. It's different, but we can talk about oh, that later. I Tell mean, Alex to call No, me. For, I mean, listen, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm an open book as far as I... It doesn't bother me at all. But like watching... Um, and I, I'm blanking on her name. Um, was she in my podcast? No, she was on. Trailer? She was um, on the trailer. I don't uh, have a the, the 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 the, <laughs> the girl that did the wax. What is her name? Oh, Fancy Feast. Fancy Feast. That was probably the most powerful performance for me, mm-hmm. because by all standards of like how we view people in society, she should be really uncomfortable being naked because she's heavier. Yeah, and I don't want to like, speak for fat people, but just a fat woman doing burlesque is subversive and political just in that act alone exactly because society says that fat women are not allowed to feel sexy or to own their sexuality women aren't allowed to own their sexuality at all but particularly not fat women or disabled people you know right right so when those sort of marginalized people do burlesque it's even more powerful that's why that's why i think it was so powerful for me because i was like this woman is 100 percent into her like not into herself but she's so comfortable she's feeling herself in yeah a really great way I, it was and she should because it she's was incredible yeah it was amazing that uh whole experience which we'll, we'll talk about in a bit was eye-opening for me so uh the reason that you and i i think are uh super close friends is because you wrote a short screenplay uh or i was what like is trying it? to create something and i didn't know how right i had had this idea rattling around in my brain for years and I was scared to write it and I didn't know how to write it and I didn't know what to make and a friend took the sort of the pressure off of me by saying how about instead of making a film or a pilot you just make a trailer so that you can visual like bring to life whatever that is right and you were the first person who offered me a way to do that in real life and not just think about it I was obsessed with it after I read it. I had a treatment or something that yeah, I Yeah, you, you like sent it to me and I was like, we should, we gotta make this. Because it was just such a great idea. So maybe talk about like... And we did, we made it. <laughs> so talk about, I mean, let's, I mean, you can be as brief or as long as you want. Talk, maybe talk about the, um, from Inception uh, and then like the writing process the a little bit. The Inception part was really hard. Um... And talking about like trusting your instincts, I was a, r- a writer when I was a kid and I loved it. It was my favorite year in school, the year that I had a teacher, third grade, Mrs. Eisler gave us a, a new writing assignment every week. So we were writing a short story a week and I loved it and I did it so naturally. It's It was like breathing. And I got to a point where I st- started to doubt myself and didn't think I was good enough to do it. I literally just stopped writing. And so I didn't think I could write anything, didn't think I knew how to write a script. I was really, really stuck. I kept trying over and over again to do it and not knowing where I was going, so it would just fall apart. And so the idea of shooting a trailer was um, very exciting because it seemed more possible, and I felt like I could get away with not writing a script. (laughs) And you just, you pushed me in a 
great way that I needed to be pushed. And I had to raise money to make the trailer. And I did a like a crowdfunding thing, which I'd never done before. And I raised the money so easily and like so quickly. That was crazy. And like way more than I asked for. Like overnight, it blew my mind. And it was just like, I'm going to sound like a fucking hippie when I say this, but it was like the universe telling me that I was doing the right thing and that I was moving in the right direction. Yeah. It was also one of the most sincere crowdfunding videos I've ever seen. Like Nathan, I remember when Nate and I watched it, he's like this, there's no chance in hell she doesn't raise this money. This is so genuine. All I cared about was being genuine in that video. I was like, I just have to be honest. Like (laughs) just be vulnerable. Just be honest. And I think whenever anybody uses that as their baseline, they're going to be successful. You're going to be successful. Yeah, so so then what happened? So then what happened? Well, <laughs> then the little production machine got rolling, and you guys did an incredible job creating three days of time for all these people, and we got all the shots, and directing was completely thrilling for me. I had no idea. I'd been directing theater a little bit here and there, like since high school, but I had no idea how clear my vision was. You were a natural. I had no idea how. I just. I thought I wasn't going to do. I said over and over again, how often did I say to you, I have no idea what I'm doing? And how often did I say, just just keep going, like you're doing the right. I mean, you. I I just at one point, I told told Nate, I was like, I don't even need to be here. She knows exactly, like, I'm just here to help. Like, I'll slate. Like, she is. Yeah, it was really cool to watch. I knew what I wanted. And I actually, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but this trusting your instincts thing and me, the self-doubt that I had about whether or feeling like I didn't know what I wanted. There was a moment in this process when you and I were working together, writing a, you were, you had read my treatment or something, but you were like, I'll, I I see where you're going here. Like, if you don't want to write up a script, I'll just write up a quick script. And you like wrote up a little thing. It sort of is how you saw it. And it wasn't until I read your thing that you wrote and saw how it wasn't what I was thinking that I knew that I knew. Oh, great. <laughs> that's You're like, you were so bad. No, no you I'm were just, just kidding. You were I'm just kidding. So, that's not what I mean. I'm trying no, to say I know, you I were know. so wrong. Sure. No, <laughs> that's kidding. good though. That's a good thing. It's not that you were wrong. It's just that I thought I didn't know. And I knew exactly what it was. Right. But it took someone trying to work on your... Trying to filter it through your brain. Right. Material. What you thought it meant. And I was like, oh, no, I guess I do know what it means here. And then I like like wrote it in an hour and sent it back to you. I was like, no, no, like this. This is what it is. Yeah. I do remember that. That was was really cool. Because watching you step into that like role of producer, director, um, and actor was super powerful. Um, I, that's one of the things I love the most about what I do is like watching people kind of like get into their own zone. And then like when they, f- the moment that they figure it out is so cool. Cause it's like, yeah. they, like, I got it. Like it's here. It's magical. Yeah. So we shot it and then <clears throat> I edited it with somebody else who had all the time in the world to give to me for editing. And then we finished it and I was really happy with it, but I had promised all my contributors financial contributors that I wouldn't release it until I did a screening so there was this gap of a couple months after I finished it before I could book the slipper room to do the screening. right which is where we shot which is where we shot it and then where we screened it and where I work and where I MC and all that stuff yeah um and I fell into like a terrible depression really during that gap whoa because of having put so much into something and then not getting any feedback like, oh, it really okay. fucked with me. Oh, wow. 
And then that screening was one of the most validating nights of my life. And like everybody I know fucking came and yeah. I was so proud of it. It was really a magical and night. And then I just put it out into the world. And the, the whole point of creating the trailer was to, it was a dangling carrot for collaborators. Yeah. I wanted to take it to the next level. And I right. knew I just had to put it out there. Yeah. So, um, to catch us up to now. Yeah. What's going on? So what's going on with, uh, by night? What's I met a Broadway producer. She's a friend of a friend. Um, we hit it off just like as people and I showed her my trailer and she really loved it and she got very excited and we started working together and she wanted to develop it into whatever it was supposed to be and uh, you know she works in Broadway but her boss is interested in getting maybe getting into television and she has a cousin that works in television and so she's like hey I mean it's producerially great idea she was like I think you know we could sell this as a docu-series because it's a lot cheaper to make a docu-series. Sure, sure. Nobody, like, I'm not saying this in a disparaging <clears throat> way at all, but I'm a nobody in the industry. Like, how would we get someone to trust giving you a show? So she, we packaged, we were trying to package it differently. So I reshot the trailer. I re-edited the whole trailer to sell as a docu-series. And I was hugely influenced by Anthony Bourdain. I was really devastated when he died last yeah, week. It was a super bummer. His was the roadmap I was following for the type of show that I was creating. Wow. It was basically in my mind like the parts unknown of nightlife. Oh, that's super where cool. Where you'd start in New York and you'd feature all these people that work in New York, but then you could take it anywhere and you could do it in Paris or or Rio or whatever. Yeah. And um I it was a, the whole time we were developing it into the docu-series it felt like a square peg in a round hole for me and I was trying to make it work and I really wanted to get behind it and I believed in what it could be but I was also terrified that somebody would buy it up and turn it into a reality show sure yeah which is I think a valid that's a very valid fear or turn it into this like dry commentary on duality and society or something and I I was like there's got to be an in-between but then very recently, and here's the, here's the part you don't know about yeah. that. Also, Anna just walked in the door, and we just started recording. So I was I'm, like, this do you want me to just catch me. you up on just, my life yeah. on the podcast? Yeah, as much or as little as you want to share. Um, I was hanging out with a dear friend who is also an actor and a burlesque dancer whose husband owns a photography studio and a production company, and I was meeting, I met her friend for the first time. They were in a book club together. Nice. Uh, my friend was like, oh, I know you guys are going to like each other. And we did. We hit it off right away. And we were just, she's a writer. And we're all talking. And we go upstairs and she watches. I showed her both the trailers, both the original one that you and I made and the one that I re-edited oh, nice. to be a docuseries. And she was just like, the first one's more powerful. I oh, understand wow. what you're trying to say more with the first one. Really? And I'd known deep down that I'm trying to tell truth here, right? That's my goal as an artist. You said I was so like vulnerable and genuine. Like yeah. I strive for that in all my art. And in order to tell the truth of this story that I want to tell, which is about the duality of people in nightlife, right? I knew that I couldn't do it totally truthfully in documentary form because many of the people whose lives I find amazing and fascinating could never sit down in front of a camera and speak their truth because maybe what they do is illegal. Maybe oh, it's wow. a secret from their family. Maybe, you know, they have some reason to not 
you know, so it that, could be a million reasons why they don't want to do it. Or yeah, they're not an actor, or they don't want to be in front of a camera, or like whatever the fuck. Right. And so, I knew that the only way I could really tell the truth of the story was to write it in fiction, and then I can take all these truths and write it as a fictional character and cast an actor to play it, and then I'm not outing anybody or endangering their lives. Exactly. Then it's just yeah. fiction. So, I put after months of work just ended that without ever finishing yeah. totally finished it we almost finished the trailer like we had like one more voiceover recording to do before it would be totally done and um just told the producer and she was like you know what my producer brain is really bummed because i was excited about sure. this project but my friend brain is really excited for you that you found the clarity for that's what you want to re- do that's a really bold move i love that and That's, what if you trust your gut, I've man. decided, if we're going back to trusting our instincts, <laughs> that the only way I'll be able to make this the way I want to make it is that I write it myself. Like, write the whole pilot, if not a whole mini season, like a six-episode season. Sure. And either produce the pilot and try to sell that. Right. Or create a six-episode season and do, like, what High Maintenance did and just release it. Yeah. I listen, I'm on board for whatever, and I'll watch the shit out of it. Um, that's really, really cool. I'm super proud of you. Like, holy well, shit. Well, I mean, awesome. life is a giant lesson, and I didn't handle that situation as well as I could have handled it. And I think I disrespected somebody I didn't mean to disrespect. And I learned a very valuable lesson, which is you should never communicate anything of any importance over a text message oh that's i can yeah i can relate to that i can relate to that um well thank you for sharing uh-huh. um are you i mean so you have uh you're you're working on that um so you're writing now then i'm gonna take a screenwriting course okay. and yeah i'm writing now yeah so you're... I'm tr- i just read bird by bird okay you know that book no oh um it's an incredible book about writing okay which i highly recommend all right Bird by bird. To give myself the courage. And the the screenwriting course is, again, just to give myself the self-esteem. Sure. But all signs point to, you got to do this part alone, Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. That's super powerful. But it sounds like you're good at recognizing the signs. Slowly. Well, that's... Took me long enough. I mean, you moved here at 19. I wish I would have moved here at 19. I moved here when I was 20, 29, 28. Really? Why? Do you wish you'd been here sooner? Because I feel like, well, I feel like this is, the, New York is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. I feel, when I when I landed here um, with my suitcases, I was like, this, I was born on the wrong side of the country. I was supposed mm. to be born here. That's just how I personally felt. Like I always knew I was supposed to be in New York, too. You I didn't just know, know that. Yeah. I just, I mean, I come from a, like a very conservative small town in California. It's not small, it's it's decently size but it's like kind of conservative mm-hmm. and and you know every uh, not everyone but a lot of the people i went to high school with all got married at like 19 and they have three kids and they're all divorced uh, you know what i mean yeah. like that yeah. whole thing and um i'm very much a middle child and had to be different from everyone so that was like whatever but when i when i came to new york i was like this is my fucking jam like this is where i'm meant to be so that's where, that's why I say, like, I wish I would have come earlier. Yeah, but I came when I was 19, and I, like, dicked around with the useless boyfriends and husbands for 10 years before I, I like, mean, made enough space for myself to get anything sure. done. So I could have done that somewhere else. Yeah. 
But I did learn the subway system. Hey, hey, you know, I I, uh, I just watched a documentary about the Dana Carvey show. Mm-hmm. Um, this this will tie in, but like Steve Carell and uh, oh, yeah, you told me this. Steven... All, like all got their start doing that show. Insane. I had like no idea, but they were like Steve uh, Colbert had like a kid and was broke, and he was like in his late thirties. Like mm-hmm. shit just happens for people at different times. So. Mm-hmm. My Nothing. psychic told me that this is a big year for me. I love that. I want to meet. I've never been to a psychic. I really trust this person. I've known him since I was like a like eighteen, and he's known my mom for much longer than that. He's Whoa. a reverend. He's gay. He is in DC. My head, guys. If you, my, I wish you could have heard my head just explode. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, reverend, friend with your mom, psychic. Talk to me about. Talk to me about going to a psychic. Should I go do it? Maybe I should do a podcast about it. I mean, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you should like, go sit do down. it. I mean, you have to find somebody who's like vetted, right? So like somebody that you have a reason to trust them, I suppose. Yeah. But... I mean, I'm the kind of guy that I would go in with an open mind. Yeah. I mean, he, t- DiBiasio is his name, Reverend Jim DiBiasio. And he, um, this time he told me a lot of stuff that I already knew. So he was like a mirror, right? He was sure. like, and oftentimes that's what he does. And it's just reassuring to hear him say things out loud right 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 but he also talks to dead people none of my de- old dead relatives came to visit me this time but he gave me the names of my spirit guides which was really incredible um i don't it's a different for everybody no i no i'm no, i'm curious he um, told the first thing he said to me was okay dear whatever it is it's time for you to get it out and put it onto paper I get it out of your head and put it onto paper because it's, if it stays in your head, it's only going to run around and around in circles and confuse you. You have to put it on paper because that will create the map that will draw your end goal towards you. It's like the first thing he said, and it's like what I've been... Wow. I know. That's wow. time. It's hard to write stuff uh-huh. and, and like show people. Uh-huh. It's really tough. Yeah. What do you think is the hardest part about showing someone your body of work? Like if you had to peg one thing, they're like, "Fuck this feeling." I don't really understand the question. What do you mean by my body so, of work? So, like when you when okay, sorry, not body of work, but like if you have a script or oh, like, like a pro, like an individual like, project, yeah, like an individual project. What's yeah. the scariest thing? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you could say the answer about anything: fear, rejection, sure. embarrassment. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I I haven't been able to write for so many years because I couldn't get over that like shitty first draft thing like everything is shitty the first time you write it down write the bad version takes going over and over and over again before you find the gems and I thought it was like just supposed to fall fall come out of my head on onto the page as like a fully formed idea yeah but the especially reading bird by bird it's like reminding yourself that it's actually like throwing Like your whole toolkit, just like empty the drawer out on the floor, right. and then you slowly get to pick apart the pieces that go together. Yeah, it's tough, man. I remember uh, I wrote like a short film for uh, Marina, and like showing, honey hands. yeah, honey, hands. <laughs> <laughs> and like showing it to people and just being like, like Nate's like, send me the script, and I just remember sitting in front of my computer. With the fully formed email and the attachment just being like, I don't know, man. Like, am I doing... I don't know, dude. But you got to. You have to. And Nate's very good at saying, like, write the bad version first. Write the bad version. He's a great producer. He's amazing. Nate he's is... very supportive. Yeah, he's... he's. Uh, I mean, uh, yeah, he's, he's, my, he's my best good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, I think, I think being a creative is difficult and hard and you, I mean, this is like kind of something I'm learning in my life. Like you have to just not care what people think because at the end of the day, the only voice that's like, for me being like, you're bad, you're bad. It's just myself. It's like not anyone, everyone else is like super supportive and like, Hey, like, you know, yeah, the truth is everybody else is busy with their own shit. Like exactly. nobody's walking no around thinking cares. about you, like being pissed at you or like yeah. thinking about oh what God, you're doing. They're thinking about idiot. what they're doing. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Well, uh, so we like to kind of close things down. Uh, we do. <laughs> what was the funniest thing that happened to you during the week? And what was the most embarrassing thing? Um, again, for solidarity, I will go first. But yours is both funny and embarrassing. So right. it's sort of the same thing at the same time. Right. Um, well, I mean, I'll go back to what I said earlier. The funniest thing was this girl hitting on me and then like selling my brother to oh, her. Yeah. <laughs> that was kind of like my thing. Um, but the most embarrassing was working at Broadway Bears. Um, I was photographing people. And I guess it was dark, so it didn't really matter. But I was walking around with my zipper down for like two hours. I also, just, probably nobody knows. Yeah, also, I mean, I don't know. But when I figured out, I was like, this is just a nightmare. What is happening? Um, yeah, I mean, I, it was a lit. yeah. But that's probably my most embarrassing thing. I don't know. I get, I don't really get too embarrassed like all that often but that was i was like what an idiot like what is happening okay both of mine i guess are bathtub gin stories one's the one i already told you it's not that funny but yesterday was father's day wait what is bathtub gin build me the world okay great of course Uh, decorate it um bathtub gin is a speakeasy in chelsea it's like a, a prohibition style uh, speakeasy and i host a burlesque show there three times a week every sunday at 2 30 brunch and at 9 30 and then on tuesday nights at 9 45 so i have two shows on sunday always so yesterday was father's day it was a sunday and uh, father's day and mother's day are understandably <laughs> fairly slow at the speakeasy but especially when it starts to get at the speakeasy burlesque show, especially when it starts to get really nice outside in New York, people don't want to sit inside in a dark room right, for brunch. Right, yeah. So we had a small crowd, but one of the tables, the big party table, there's some sort of gay event that's happening in New York right now that's all... It's that's Pride a, Week, right? Yeah, but it's Pride Week, but there was specifically this past weekend, like a leather daddy like party happening at some venue in Chelsea. And this table full of like lady leather daddies <laughs> came in like what like is, four of them what is oh, i'm sorry what is a lady leather daddy like a like a daddy <laughs> who you would be able to tell because if you saw like a big man in a white tank top and like a leather chest harness okay. and like a leather like motorcycle cap and okay. like leather pants okay maybe okay. like a collar with a chain <laughs> You, you could be like, oh, okay, that's a leather daddy. Okay. <laughs> so, like, you don't know what the word is, but you see it, you're like, that's that's what a leather daddy is. Yeah, okay. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a sexual, it's a fetish. Sure. I mean, I'm familiar. Shit. I'm familiar with the Folsom Street Fair in San Francisco, which that is, is like exactly the, what it is. Okay, copy that. So it's gotcha. Folsom Street, <laughs> okay. New York edition. Okay, thank cool. you for saying that because I forgot what it was called. Yeah, no worries. It's the no Folsom worries. Street. Folsom Street Fair. Okay, cool. Okay, gotcha. great. So you have a mental picture. I do. Hundred. <laughs> I have such a vivid memory. Yeah. I was like walking down the street uh, in my in my old life. I was recording an album, and I just saw like this chain of people. Like what? 
there's like seven dudes attached to each other with chains and leather and i was like what What the (laughs) fuck is going on and then people are like dude they're like we're in san francisco motherfucker yeah sorry continue so four of the people at the table were like totally normal people wearing normal clothes and then four of the people were like totally had definitely been at this leather event and two of them were sort of female presenting and two of them sort of seemed like gay men but uh so, like, right when I started the show, I was like, blah, 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 welcome to Bathtub Gin. Happy Father's Day if you're into that sort of thing. And then I turned to that table and I was like, or happy Daddy's Day into oh. this squad over here. Like, wink, wink, know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Did that get, like, just such a giant they laugh? Laughed. Oh, my God. They, that, the people at that table laughed. The seven <laughs> other people in the room were like, what? <laughs> Oh, my God. And then my embarrassing story was not this week. It was a couple weeks ago, but it was also a bathtub gin. And there's a big bathtub. There's a big brass bathtub in the middle of the room. And the, 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 name. the la- Yeah. <laughs> and the last performer in the show always has, does her act in the tub. And there's like a little bit of water in there. And they get in and they splash all around, whatever. And then there's, there's always water on the floor around the tub afterwards. And a couple weeks ago. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know where this is going. They had already mopped it up, but it was still a little wet. And I had like... The iPad and two cell phones in this hand and like, I don't know, a drink, a full drink in this hand. And I would, went marching across the room like boss lady MC like that I am, like <laughs> one in the room. And I just went like, whoop. Oh, no. And not only bit it, but I must be like a master stunt person because I didn't even spill my fucking drink. What? Dude. It was incredible. <laughs> did you eat shit? Like, did you hurt yourself? No, I fell on my ass. You fell on your ass. Okay. Or I managed to like fall on my side, maybe? I don't really remember. It was probably graceful. I've seen you perform. You're definitely graceful. No, but nobody's graceful when they fall. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Anna, Boobess, thank you so much for coming. Uh, I love talking to you. I'm just such a huge fan. Uh, I can't wait to hear about all the things that are going on. Uh, in the next couple months. You've been busy. I've been super busy. Yeah. We're going to have a beer and we hang out. We live on the same street. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> um, if people want to find you, what yeah. is the best way to kind of find out? I mean, anything that you want to plug or whatever you're working on or where people can find you, let us know. Well, let's get that Instagram bump. Yep. I'm at Banana Land on Instagram. Love it. Uh, I don't particularly care for Facebook, so I don't know. You can find me there if you really want to. It's Anna Boo on Facebook, and I have a website, which is www.annabridgeforth.com. Ooh, that was so that was, clean. That was my radio voice. <laughs> I love the radio voice. Uh, anyone that wants to find me, uh, I'm at Corey, C O R E Y underscore L O R E N. Very recently changed my Instagram name. Um, you can find my production company and the sponsor of this podcast at Hallelujah Productions. That's H-A-L-L-E-L-O-O Productions. <laughs> um, and you can find my wonderful, beautiful wife at Dancing Ginger Alex. But not on this podcast because she is not here right she now. She is not here. We have a lot of fun stuff uh, coming up in the next couple months. Anna, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you next week. I'm stealing conversation, it's about to go down I'm feeling your vibrations all the way across town I'm E.T., you can phone me, girl, you know me Only wanna hear a different tone I know somewhere quiet